I would say the easiest part is just get out there, send direct mail or pay-per-click or whatever marketing channel you're going to use. Do that and then jump in. Once you answer a few phone calls, it just gets a lot easier. Best ever listeners, before we jump into today's episode, got two questions for you. And this is for my fix and flippers out there. One, are your financing costs eating away at your bottom line? And two, are you looking for a way to increase your overall profits by reducing your loan payments to the bank or private lender? Of course you are, right? You're always looking to maximize the potential of your deal. So here's a solution. We got a solution for you through the crowdfunding platform Patch of Land. If you're a loyal best ever listener, you know Patch of Land. They've been on the show many times. They've sponsored the show many times. They're back for more because they love you. They want to help you out. They want to add value to your life. And here's how they're going to do it. They have a solution to your financing issue of financing costs eating away from the bottom line. And they want to help you reduce your loan payments to the bank. So here we go. Patch of Land offers a fix and flip loan program that only charges interest on the funds that have been dispersed as opposed to the traditional model of lenders charging interest on the whole loan amount at the beginning. You save a lot of money this way, and it can be misleading when you get your terms quoted to you by the lender at a particular rate if they charge all the interest up front versus upon distributions. Patch of Land's got a document that you've got to check out if you're a fix and flipper to educate yourself on questions you should ask the lender. Regardless if you go with Patch of Land, you've got to get this document to educate yourself on the questions to ask your lender to make sure you're getting the best financing terms. The document's at patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. That's patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Patch of Land, they can close in as little as seven days and they can help you through this program save thousands of dollars on your deals, make more money, and uh, have a better business and grow your fix and flip business. So go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Donald Ross, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. How about yourself, sir? I am doing great as well. And Donald is a retired Marine. So first and foremost, thank you for your service to our country and helping us have conversations like this where we're not scared that someone's going to be knocking down our door with a gun and shooting us. I appreciate that. Thank you. No, my pleasure. And thank you. A little bit more about Donald. He worked construction prior to what he's doing now. And now what he's doing is he is wholetailing properties, and he'll define that if you're not familiar. I'm sure as a best ever listener, you're familiar with that. But if you're not, he'll define it. He's wholetailing properties, and he used to wholesale properties. He used to do about three to four a month, and now he's doing two hotels because he doesn't have to do as many. He's making more money. The margins are double, so he doesn't have to do as many deals. He is based in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and he got to start in investing by purchasing a home while active duty, which is now a rental. So with that being said, Donald, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah. A little bit of the background is I did, like you said, the construction when I was in my younger years after high school, new build, large custom homes. And then from that kind of left, went to the military, wound up doing contracting at the very end for the military as an active duty member, Afghanistan for the local type contracts for our people and the Marines on the ground, came back 
and wound up doing the real estate stuff. I started jumping into the lease options and figured out that for me, just being remote here in Southern California was a little bit more difficult to do the lease options than it was the wholesale side. So started doing some wholesales, reached out to different we buy house type people and brokers and realtors, trying to partner with them out in Wisconsin. And wound up getting to the point of where we are today, where I have a partner that's on the ground. And we have basically come together, and she goes on the appointments. We send out marketing. And once it comes in, got my girlfriend currently taking phone calls, as well as uh, we're about to have John Martinez and the call sniper guys take some of the calls. So we'll set up our lady on the ground that's partners with us to go on the appointments. She'll get it under contract. And then we'll go ahead and put it out to either our buyers or listen on the MLS and sell it that route. Did I hear Southern California in there? Yeah, I live out in the Orange County area. So we're dropping mail from out here into the Wisconsin market and taking the calls and then setting the appointments for the lady that lives in the Waukesha, Milwaukee area. Ah, okay. Are you from Milwaukee? I grew up about 45 minutes away from there. So I was kind of familiar with the area. That definitely helps with the situation when you can talk about the areas and different monuments and whatnot in the local area. And I fly back usually every two, three months, go out there, and we go and look at some stuff together. And we're about to actually start our own brokerage here in August. So how long have you been doing wholesaling? I know you're doing wholetailing now, but how long did you do wholesaling first? It's been now about two years. Not entirely long, but long enough to get the basics down. So two years wholesaling, and you're doing about three to four a month, right? Correct. Okay. And then you decided this isn't the way I want to do it. I want to do wholetail. Will you define what wholetail is and give the pros and cons as you've experienced them comparing to wholesaling? Sure. Like most probably for the wholesale side, I was working on the inner city type properties. For us, what that meant is 50,000 and below values. And that's after repair. So We'd try to get in there and get them at a good price, meaning probably five to 10 grand, and we'd wholesale them off, and we were making them in the neighborhood of five grand a piece on those properties. So when we kind of figured out that on a lot of those properties, you deal with tax liens and code violations and all these other things that pop up while you're trying to close, there's a lot of landmines to navigate with a lower-end type neighborhood like that. So we really started to market to stuff that was 75000 and above for an after-repair value. Our average of where we kind of stay median value, I would say, is in the 100 to 200 range. Every once in a while, we'll venture out of that to a higher price point if it makes sense. But the median for us is going to be there. And so we've figured out at this point, 75 and above, if we wholesale, we can usually get 10 to 15 grand. And if we go to hotel method, which is really where we're pushing now, is we'll go ahead and grab it and close on it. And then we're usually putting it on the MLS before that. Wisconsin allows us to have equitable interest in the property and put it on the MLS. So we're doing that. We just closed one last week and it wound up being right around 26 after expense, everything. So wholesale method is basically allowed us to double what we're normally getting on a wholesale fee. What challenges have you come across when transitioning from wholesaling to wholetailing? Well, I would say one of the easier methods, kind of a hybrid rather than actually putting it on the MLS. If you can get a hold of a list of realtors that had cash buyers, and sell it to those. They'll pay a lot higher value. They're used to going on the MLS and paying MLS prices. So if you can go that route and get a cash buyer, there's a lot less headache. However, if you do go down the path that we're going right now and putting it on the MLS, you start dealing with your conventional type buyers 
uh, that are getting conventional loans, and you're having to figure out if there's local banks or credit unions that don't have mortgage seasoning, because that's usually an issue you'll run into, especially with FHA buyers. You're going to have to buy it, hold it for 90 days, and then possibly sell it. Conventional buyers, we can figure out a way to get around that. Mm. Have you found some lenders that would do that, maybe like portfolio lenders or something? Local bank and credit unions. Otherwise, you're basically stuck telling them that they're going to have to get a hard money loan and they'll have to refinance out of it. Have you done any seller financing on those? Not on those specifically, but we did do a package deal, seller finance. So we will pick them up with seller finance and then sell them off as well. And the last one I know for what we did, we picked up a package of five and the end buyer was an investor and he wound up actually breaking them up and he made some money by doing that. Let's talk about the last deal that you saw through the entire process. Can you give us the numbers on that? Without looking at Podia, I'll give you a round numbers just off the top of my head. Let me see if I can get in there real quick. But we basically bought at the price point of 195 and we wound up pushing it out to the realtors that had bought cash buyer type purchases, investors, and they wound up having a buyer that was interested, brought them in. And at this point, we'd closed last week at, I believe it was 226. So when you took out the realtor commission expenses and everything, we're in the neighborhood of right around, I think, 24, 25, somewhere in there. So for a marketplace where we normally only see ten to $15,000 wholesale fees, it just makes sense to go after that price point and as well as going with those realtors and MLS that allows you to get that double. And for us, you know, we can typically send out right around the neighborhood of 24, 2,500 pieces of mail and usually get something from that. So it makes it a lot easier both on marketing and taking phone calls and everything else if you can capitalize on a property and double your profit, obviously. So the realtors who have cash buyers, they're key to this. Absolutely. So for us, we can have the ability to go in and pull the last 12 months of cash purchases from the MLS and it'll show us who that realtor was that helped do that transaction. And we can either email or phone call, reach out to them and find out if their client's interested in buying any additional properties. And then if they are, you know, you build out a list from that. And then when you have something under contract, you blast it out to that list and see if they've got a client that's interested in doing a walkthrough, especially if it's fake, it's a lot easier to get them through the property. But that's typically what we're doing at this point. We've got basically two different segregated lists. You've got your typical wholesale type cash buyer list and then now a realtor list. You are a Marine and you are overseas. What lessons learned over there have you applied towards what you're doing now, if any? The first deployment, I was supplying logistics. So you can kind of compare that to all the moving parts in a logistics system that you would have with a contract and negotiating and maneuvering landmines that show up on title when you're getting everything closed. So you kind of figure out how to roll with the punches, especially over there. People need things. They need them yesterday. So if we had to overnight things over there, we did. And obviously the same thing applies here. You're trying to close something and the seller thinks the date's going to be a certain date on close date. You wind up jumping through hoops trying to make things happen at the last minute. Obviously, we try to avoid those, but it happens. So assume that it's going to happen, not that it's always just going to flow the best possible way. And then as far as negotiating and contracts, my secondary job before I got out was contracts for the Marine Corps. So 
I negotiated some multi-million dollar contracts overseas to have services and supplies and different things show up for the guys on the ground. And obviously, it then applies to negotiating with the sellers and or the contracts that we go through. It makes it a lot easier to understand these different contracts. For instance, the state of Wisconsin, if you're a realtor or a broker, they require that you use a state contract. Obviously, most of those are going to be anywhere from 12 to 15 pages. And sometimes we got sellers where even if we use a simple three-pager, the attorney gets involved and they want that 12 and 15 pager. So it's nice to be able to understand exactly what we're using and dissecting those different terms and conditions that are in there. Based on your experience as someone full-time in real estate investing, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Well, the hard part is just getting out there and doing it and answering the phone. A lot of people have a scarcity of the phone ringing. I would say the easiest part is just get out there, send direct mail or pay-per-click or whatever marketing channel you're going to use. Do that and then jump in. Once you answer a few phone calls, it just gets a lot easier. At this point, I don't answer a ton of phone calls on my end unless it's getting super crazy over here. We try to get the call center to take it or my girlfriend taking it. But the money is in that phone call and the money is in the follow-up. So first of all, take the phone calls. And second of all, make sure that you have a follow-up process. Let's talk about the phone call. Congratulations, you just got a new employee and now you're training him or her on the phone call, what do you tell them? Well, for us, I have since delegated that to John Martinez. He's got some training that you can get into for your leads managers. So he's got great call scripts. He's got everything that you could want, basically negotiating and talking with a seller on the phone. And it's strictly in regards to real estate and what we do. So for me, I'm going to hook him up with the Martinez training and get them over there. It's one of the best things I've seen out there. And that's another reason why I've got his call center now taking our calls. It just makes sense. The biggest thing for us is then going to be the podio training. That's what we use for a CRM to track everything that's coming in. But now what I've done is as you go through the process and you start to figure out what works, what doesn't work, I use Screencast-O-Matic, create a video, save it, and then I save that inside for an internal video or process that I can show them for anybody that starts. You are scaling your business so that you're able to do this virtually. You're bringing in team members. You're automating the process. At what point do you need to be involved because you suffer the quality of what you could have had if you were involved? Well, I would say that is the point where really the tracking mechanisms. So we use a spreadsheet based off of the EOS traction model. I'm not sure it was brought up, but I'm part of REI Vault. REI Vault actually has a system where they've built out the whole tracking mechanism in the EOS model to have your weekly L10 meeting so that everyone's on the same page. You've got your tracking metrics, meaning how many calls are being placed by your leads manager on a weekly basis or how many are received, how many appointments, offers, contracts are happening each week. And so once you have that spreadsheet to track everything, it makes it super simple to know if there's a quality issue or a people issue that maybe the person's not the right seat and they're not up to par, up to standard. And after the first two weeks, you can really tell if the numbers start suffering, it's time to have a talk or potentially look at somebody else for the position. How do you find the team members? For us, we've really started now to focus more so on a Facebook network. So local people that we would know or people that are friends with us. I've used places like ZipRecruiter and 
ODESC in the past for some of the VAs, but right now we're actually focusing on getting a leads manager into our new office that's opening up in August. And so we're going to have somebody locally actually come sit in a seat in our office, which it's new for us. So normally we've got, obviously, my girlfriend that takes the calls now. I've had VAs in the past that are remote, but all those came from ODES, the VAs that were remote. And then, obviously, my partner, I just simply made phone calls to the We Buy Houses type things that you find on Google when you search. I found out what she was doing. And she was doing a couple deals by herself and basically wanted to combine forces because I had the background automation and knowing how to track everything. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's go. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Today's sponsor, Patch of Land, has got document for you that you've got to check out if you're a fix and flipper. They show you how a higher interest rate can actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan. And conversely, how a lower interest rate could deliver a higher cost to your fix and flip loan. Needless to say, you got to know this stuff to identify the best loan terms. Go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Get this document, patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. When it's Friday at 4.30 p.m., it's time for Entrepreneur Drinks Podcast, which is co-produced by Joint Ops Properties and Discount Property Investors. Join their end-of-the-work-week session as they tackle problems facing entrepreneurs. Listen and subscribe at entrepreneurdrinks.com. That's entrepreneurdrinks.com. Best ever book you've read? Traction. Best ever deal you've done? The last one, because it's one of the easiest and biggest ones we've had. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? Typically, we pull title up front, and we haven't in the past, and I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that we've made in the past because you have bombshells that'll hit you right at the last minute before you're trying to close. What's the best ever way you like to give back? For me, it's veterans. I can give back to a veteran charity or go down to anything having to do with the veterans. I'll do that. I did at one point work for the VA, and I did homeless veteran contracts, and it just give back to my people that I'm brotherhood part of. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? You can either get a hold of me by email, which is don at reivault.com, or if you want to find out more about me, track me down on Facebook, and my name is Donald Ross. Thank you so much for being on the show, talking about the pros and cons between wholesaling and wholetailing, the challenges. The main thing is getting that cash buyer, and you gave a specific way of finding the cash buyer, which is doing research on cash purchases in the MLS, see who the agent was or that person is, and then reaching out to them and seeing if they'd be interested in buying additional properties or their client would be interested in buying additional properties in the area. And then also how you're automating the process and how you've applied the lessons learned from serving our company to now developing and building a virtual wholetailing company. Thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. When it's Friday at 4.30 p.m., it's time for Entrepreneur Drinks Podcast, which is co-produced by Joint Ops Properties and Discount Property Investors. Join their end of the work week session as they tackle problems facing entrepreneurs. Listen and subscribe at entrepreneurdrinks.com. That's entrepreneurdrinks.com.